1: Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet, with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus.
2: So, welcome to the Spirit of Recovery online radio show on Unity Media Network. My name is Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice, and um, I am the new host for this radio show. So you can find us broadcasting here on unity.fm every Tuesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Central Standard. This is the place where we talk about where spirituality and recovery intertwine, and they work together to support your spiritual growth for your recovery journey. And so this program is open to everyone, addicts, alcoholics, family members, friends, coworkers, anybody whose life is touched by addiction. According to recent research, over 46% of the American public has a family member or friend that struggles with addiction. And so because addiction touches so many lives, we want to share the hope that can be found in recovery. Our goal is to carry the message of spirituality and recovery to explore the many faces of spirituality through the experiences of and the lessons learned by those who live this journey. We hope that you will not only hear a few things you might already know, but also get new ideas and information New perspectives and perhaps some tips that you can put into practical use for your own journey. We hope that you will deepen your spiritual walk in recovery as a result. So we invite you to connect with us on the Spirit of Recovery Facebook page where you can interact with us, see announcements about the upcoming shows, and you can also email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonline.org if you have thoughts that you want to share or perhaps suggestions for guests for the show. So please share with your friends and family in your recovery circle invite them to join us and you can also have them or yourself download podcasts from the online library of over seven years of the uh, recovery oriented radio shows you can download these via the internet or by the stitcher app by searching for spirit of recovery so we want to say thank you to everybody that's joining us today and thank you all for listening So the title of today's broadcast is No Pink Cloud Here, Keeping It Real. And today we are talking with our guest, Reverend Kelly Isla. Kelly is a teacher, consultant, and author committed to sharing her passion for living an engaged spiritual life, embracing the inner path of healing and the outer path of compassionate service. Finding and practicing spiritual teachings after entering recovery, she is committed to the soulful practice of embodying paradox in order to reconnect to our sacred wholeness. And you can learn more about her at her website, www.kellyisla.com. So faith in something is the bedrock of recovery. It may be faith in a group, a church, a 12-step set of principles, a mentor, a sponsor, or a particular concept of a higher power. Today our guest, Kelly Isla. Who is a person in long-term recovery from substance abuse, talks to us about her understanding of recovery principles, spiritual principles, and her personal healing that forms her unshakable basis for life. Life happens and sometimes creates new spiritual understandings as we live our experience. So today we're going to explore these different experiences of faith that Kelly has walked in her 29-year journey of recovery and hope. So thank you, Kelly, for joining us today. Thank you. You know, I don't think I've ever heard anybody come into a recovery program and say, I'm here because I need some faith. <laughs> right?
3: Yeah, no, no. It, usually it's um, I'm here because I, uh, I need a roof over my head. Uh, I need some more money to get loaded. Uh, I need a ride to get to my dealer. Um, uh, never is faith. <laughs> Maybe the F word for food, you know, uh, but no, no. So, could you describe perhaps a little bit, share a
2: little bit about your early faith walk?
3: Well, ironically, I, uh, I think I was fortunate enough that even in active addiction, I, I always knew that there was a God. Um, I didn't necessarily, um, pray. I didn't necessarily have any spiritual practice. Certainly not. You know, um, what I had faith in is that I was an addict. What I had faith in is that uh, I needed to use. Uh, what I had faith in is that it was probably always going to be dark, you know, inside my world, inside my mind. Um, it was always going to be hard. You know, faith is is how we make meaning of the context of our lives. It really doesn't have anything to do with religion or, f- therefore, anything really to do with God. Now, God becomes part of the equation as we sort of move through life. Um, and if you happen to be involved in some sort of spiritual community or faith tradition. But I had faith that um, when I got to the dealer, they would have what I needed. Mm-hmm. You know, I had faith that the bar wasn't going to close till 4 a.m. So you know, so when I got clean, it was more. It slowly became, uh, you know, somebody. I I was actually, if I wanted to keep a roof over my head, I needed to start going to meetings. And so it it became when I went to my first meeting, it literally became an issue of faith that 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 Friday night meeting at eight p.m. would still be there the next Friday mm-hmm. would still be there. When I finally surrendered and said, okay, m- maybe I have a problem. <laughs> And maybe I, you know, there's some, I remember my dad asking me once, like, okay, what do you do till four o'clock in the morning? Like to me and my girlfriend, you know, she, we, you know, you come into the house at five in the morning, six in the morning, and I remember, you know, it was like noon or one o'clock the next day. He's like, what exactly do you do until four o'clock or five o'clock in the morning? And I just looked at him and he goes, never mind. He didn't want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just had faith that this was the life I was going to live, really. And then when I got clean and, and finally surrendered that I needed help, it was having to have – it's that blind faith where I don't know that it actually has a lot of depth to it, but you have to – something that maybe it's not always going to be dark. Maybe it's not always going to – I don't always – I'm not always going to drink or I'm not always going to use or, you know, it's not always going to be violent or I don't always have to be looking over my shoulder or I'm not always going to be, you know, getting hurt. And I'm not, you know, maybe there is, you know, faith that maybe that light at the end of the tunnel is not a train. Mm
2: -hmm. So when you landed in a program, in a 12-step program, Mm -hmm. and started hearing about this, um, I'll say the third step, Mm-hmm. You know of um, this higher power mm-hmm. that could do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Did you believe it?
3: Yeah. By the time I got to a third step, you know, the the catch is that, um, and I've watched in twenty nine years clean. I've watched a lot of people come and go out of recovery, and if I'm and those that, you know, when you're when you get clean and you start working the first step and then you the second step, and if you're not zipping through them. You know, at the speed of light, by the time you really get, if you're taking a deep dive into them, by the time you get to the third step and you're, and you're really, and sometimes it's maybe the second time around or the third time through the steps because it's not a one way, one time through the steps and you're done. Um, the first time I was introduced to it though, I, I did, um, because I had, I had people around me that I watched. Okay, maybe it's just a little bit, it's almost like you dare to hope for just a moment that Mm -hmm. you watch someone, You know, you've, you've been watching someone for say six months and, and they're still there and they actually smile and they laugh sometimes and they cry sometimes and yet you still see them. And maybe in that six months they got a new car or used new car, you know, (coughs) or new shoes or a new job, you know, or a new apartment and you're like, maybe, you know, um, and so I didn't know, I wouldn't say so much about, um, in terms of a higher power i just it was god i always knew that um but in terms of an actively you know an active participation in in building a relationship and actively using god and and that it was um i kind of knew there was more i kind of knew more was coming it was enough to just say to um to you know it's about surrendering you know that there is that there's something bigger than me. That's the the beauty of it, and that's the the catch of it is that the the disease of addiction is is so very self centered. So by the time you get to the third step, you have to be willing to say, okay, there is a God, and I'm not it. Mm-hmm. Which is a little antithetical to Unity yes. teachings. Which, well, I'm sure we'll get there. Yeah. But, it, but when you get clean, you have to. There, there has to be a space for that, because when you say, you know, there is a God and I'm not it. It's, it's. I'm, you know, I'm not the center of the universe in an arrogant. Um, I have all the answers kind of way. It's not. I'm not it. It's not a recognition of your own divinity or the uh, the you know the sacredness inherent in every human being. It's more that you know, having to let go of, I have all the answers, I know how to do this, and I don't need your help. Uh, but surrendering that maybe, if it's not God, that somebody knows more than you do. Or, mm-hmm. you
2: know. I think for me that that was exactly, it started with the word maybe. Yeah, Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Maybe there's more. Yep. Maybe they're right. Right. Maybe right. that idea will work.
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's sort of like, okay, well, I can see my, my best thinking kind of got me here, you know, with nothing in my life. And, uh, you know, 22 years, I was 22 when I got clean and so I'll let someone else do the math and, uh, uh, and, and was exhausted, was done. And I think about it now when I look around and I, I when I meet 22 year olds and I'm like, and I look at them and I think, I was exhausted. Like I was, I was beyond exhausted. I was soul weary. Mm-hmm. Like S O U L, weary. Uh, body, mind, and soul. I was done at 22 and I thought, that's, there's something amiss with that. Um, and so there had to be. Maybe at 22 I don't know everything. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> so, when you landed in the program, um, you heard about this pink cloud.
3: I did, and um, did you have a pink cloud experience? For about a minute and a half, um, I did. I did actually, and I think what what um, you know, it's sort of a it's kind of, the pink cloud that you hear about in 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 twelve step meetings is in some ways it's the good news, in some ways it's the oh, arg, you know. Um, I. The reason that my pink cloud and the pink cloud is really, I think is one of those ways of it's kind of like the maybe, right? It's the it's the um just sort of a I need a soft bubble around me because I'm so wounded, I'm so fragile. I'm so messed up. I just need a space, right? I need to be able to breathe. I need to be able to pause. I need to be able to just, you know, have a safe safe place to fall. and and that's what the pink cloud is is that, it's that there is hope there is something better and i'm not going to bother looking too far down the road i just know right now it tastes really good it looks really good and i'm happy for a moment you know i don't have to figure out my whole life right now i'm like oh there's a, it's almost like a breathing space we can go overboard with it certainly But I think it was very necessary. Now, mine lasted. The reason I said mine lasted about a minute and a half because my sponsor relapsed.
0: Oh my!
3: Right. So at six months clean, my sponsor relapsed. I'm like, oh, and you can hear the, you know, pop. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There goes Mm -hmm. the pink cloud, pink bubble.
2: So you probably had faith in your sponsor. Yes. And your sponsor relapsed. Yes. What did that do to to your faith in the program? Um,
3: Ironically, it didn't really do anything. It didn't. It didn't. Um, It rattled, certainly rattled me. Um, And ironically, it circled back around that she became, I wound up sponsoring her Mm -hmm. um, a little bit later down the road. And, um, uh, but it didn't really, there there were other people. And I I had seen enough of people coming and going. Um, I just, I think I was gifted with watching people come and go. It was also... During the uh, during the eighties, during the height of the AIDS epidemic, and so not only and I was in New York, so not only was I just watching, you know, it's it's a, it just happens. People come into meetings, and it doesn't matter what you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, whatever program you're in. People come in, and then they relapse and they leave, and maybe they come back in a week or maybe months later. But you you quickly learn to that it's kind of like a revolving door, sadly. Um, and eventually people stay, you know, and you build relationships, but it's sort of inherent, it's sort of built in that you know anybody you're looking at could be gone. So I had, um, not only was I watching people relapse and leave, but we were having people die left and right. I mean, there was funerals every single week. So it wasn't – so when my sponsor relapsed, I was like – like just sort of added to the pile. Um But I had seen enough people kind of come and go that it rattled me. It made me wonder if – OK, she had five years clean. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, oh my goodness. Like, ah. Uh, and that seemed so far away to me Um and yet I wondered if that was going to be – if I could actually do that. Like if she uses that five years clean, what does that mean to, for me? Because – she's been doing this a while like she's further down she's better than me right but uh it rattled me a little bit but i already had enough other people in around me to support me and um and she came back soon enough so that it wasn't like she was gone gone so that she could and and she eventually not immediately but she did eventually get clean again but um you know and also i don't all remember it all well i get that it was a long time ago <laughs> It was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that driving over here before, you know, we're at the radio station now and, uh, I like doing the shows live in the studio because we can see each other. And I was, so I'm, I was driving to the studio here at the village and thinking about 29 years ago, you know, like, oh, you know, holy crap. Can you say that on the radio? I say it in church, so I think it's safe on the radio. Um, and, uh, I just was like, I don't even know if I remember it all. You know, that's a long time ago, mm-hmm. and she's and I know there's and there's people coming to my mind that I know are no longer here. Mm-hmm. They either are using or they've died, and and some are still here clean. And so that
2: that brings you to a point where you have to find something deeper than having faith in the people in the program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that.
3: Well, I think that that takes a whole lot longer, believe it or not. Um, you know, I. I also was blessed that I had um, had someone in my life for a very long time that I met him in New York um, and he became um, – I that's why I moved to Phoenix um, and he pretty much became um, – I was going to say he became my world but I don't mean that in a codependent kind of – I had nothing else in my life. I refer to him as my beloved um, and he died in 2002 um, but he was uh, of AIDS and um, – but he was um, – he, he was, so, he had just come into my life right when she relapsed. And so he, um, so I had faith in him. Mm-hmm. Um, because he just, you know, there's, it's one of those things and I think that we have to pay attention to when you're in, whether you have, you know, 30 days or 30 years to pay attention to the people that are around you and, and learn to listen to your heart because you will find the people to, to stay connected to. You know, you can almost tell now, in hindsight, you can almost tell the people that are, that are kind of have one foot in and one foot out, and you learn to maybe not get too connected because they will go. But yeah, I did f- slowly had to, um, find faith in something greater, find faith in something, um, beyond, um, the people. And yet it was the people that brought me to something beyond, um, and taught me how to do that. And so I had to, um, And it was Frank, this, this gentleman, and he, and he introduced me to some other principles, to some other spiritual practices, to, to other, to life beyond 12-step meetings. But that was a long time. That was very slow. When I moved out of New York, I had almost three years clean when I moved to Phoenix. Um, but it was a long time slowly coming. Um, and what I really had to learn to do though was not to make the meetings my entire life. It was an anchor. It was necessary. I needed it. I wouldn't have survived without it. And it wasn't the magic bullet or the end all and be all. But finding uh, this natural tension between I need this and there's more that I need to be having in my life as well. That sort of you know goes together, not an either or.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. So he kind of launched you on this. This um, I'll call it an external journey. Yep, outside of the twelve-step program, outside yep. of your own higher power comfort zone, whatever it was at that point in time. Yep, and today I know you're highly involved in the interfaith community, which mm-hmm. is still, if you want to think of it that way, different aspects of faith through different lenses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so um, that that shift took place over a period of time.
3: He first introduced me to. Uh, it was around six months clean. It was my one first year clean was really uh, very roller coaster. Um, um, sponsor relapsing Frank came into my life he introduced me to the Course of Miracles and we would in the New York City we would go to these to this group and these lectures before Marianne Williamson was Marianne Williamson um, and so go to meetings and discuss and so I for 15 years I was a student of Course of Miracles and then when I moved to Phoenix he introduced me to Unity and um, just you know I mean he was sort of the main um, person that that you know here, try this. Here, go here. But but always with an anchor in my recovery and my 12 steps and my 12 traditions and do, continually doing that work because I have to keep working on Kelly. Um, but slowly, um, you know, it's like tentacles, right? Mm-hmm. Like we just sort of – there's our, our base and our anchor and we just – but we reach out beyond. Um, and so now here in Kansas City, it's – you know, it, it's – there's a lot of different um, places that, you know, in faith – what it looks like and and how how I um, how I sort of play in the world of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll never forget the first time a meeting. This was in New York. Um, there was a Hasidic Jewish man that came to a meeting, which was unheard of. I mean, that's uh, Has, um, Hasidic Judaism is ultra orthodox, and that would not be within the construct of their faith to venture out to a meeting where there there was no other Hasidic. Jewish people, um, but he came, and so we always had to make sure there was always only men around him, um, but he was a heroin addict, and he wanted to get clean,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and um, that was my my first sort of other, right? Usually, it's Christians or Jews sitting in a meeting mm-hmm. in New York, um, out in New York City now, all kinds, but not where I was a little bit north of the city, so being here in Kansas City is faith. Um as again, now I'm back in this sort of very diverse um and faith takes on a lot of different pictures and uh informs a lot of of what I do and how I do it and my own recovery um it continues to expand it um, beyond what I could have imagined
2: so you talked about the first year being kind of roller coastery kinda the next twenty eight years were they all smooth sailing <laughs> oh, totally.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, completely. Yeah, no problems. <laughs> see if if you know me, you could see the sarcasm on my face. Uh yeah, not even remotely. No. Um I think um there's uh, oftentimes in in 12 step uh in recovery, there's um uh, whether whether you're the addict or the alcoholic or you're the the friend or family member, right, the support person, the ally, there's there's sometimes this misunderstanding the thinking if you get clean like life is really good and i'm like and it can be but there's it's still life you know it's not any different for anybody i just have an extra an extra portal into uh to different experiences of life uh how'd you that was a good euphemism right mm-hmm. yeah it's sort of like from harry potter that you know those, the, those portals into other worlds um and so uh no it's been very hard I've been married I've been divorced I've been um I've had multiple surgeries I've moved several times I've when I moved from New York to Phoenix I gave up my entire life to move to Phoenix when I moved from Phoenix to Kansas City here I did the same thing I gave up my entire life um and in many ways um I've been ill a couple of years ago, I was very ill in the hospital, um, almost died, near death experiences. I've I've had it. Tr- I've lost many people, died, um, and I've had. Uh, I'm rattling off all these things that are you know challenges and uncomfortable and painful and sad, but also really good things. I got to move from New York to Phoenix. I got to. I would never have moved if I was using. You can't. Right. You know, when you're using, you have this little place. You know where it's safe. You know who to get what from what who's who's gonna be on what corner and who's selling what where. So you can't leave town because you don't know. You know, right. you don't know who the dealer is, you don't know where's the best bar, you don't know where to get free. You don't know you don't know. So uh um but to be able to move, to be able to, you know, go to graduate school to uh and I watch a lot of people do that and I'm always you know, people in twelve step program are really quite brilliant more than more than most people. Are because addiction has nothing to do with intelligence it has absolutely nothing to do with intelligence and yet they're some of the most intelligent people I've ever met are, uh, are people that are addicts and alcoholics um, and some of the most compassionate so I don't know if I answered your question, I went somewhere else
2: that's okay, because um, it, you're leading right exactly to the, my next question, but I think we're going to have to take a break here before we get to the next uh, question. So okay. if we can take the short break, when we when we uh, come back, we'll start with the serenity minute to focus on a positive thought, and then we'll pick up with that thought um, of, of this journey. So stay with us. We'll be right back.
1: Wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests, every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
0: When your world goes topsy-turvy and turmoil threatens, try this exercise. Think about tranquility. Let the screen of your mind reflect whatever the word tranquility may bring. Perhaps you'll see a majestic snow-covered mountain peak, perhaps a clear still lake or a sparkling stream. Enjoy whatever image comes. It's your thought. Now let yourself find the place of complete stillness deep within you. Here you are poised, serene, and peaceful. The poet T.S. Eliot wrote, At the still point, there the dance is. The dance of life continually shifts its rhythm and form in its attempt to carry you beyond limited ideas of who you are. Enter into the still point of your being. There, regardless of what may surround you, you will find peace. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org.
1: Be sure to grab the latest issue of Unity Magazine and read the interview with Ram Dass, the iconic spiritual leader of the 60s. He's now focused on how to age consciously. Spiritual author Thomas Moore reflects on grumpy old men and women. And Barbara Bowen writes a touching story about her experience as a caregiver to her mother with dementia. To subscribe to Unity Magazine, go to Unity.org and click on Publications.
2: So welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. I'm the new host, Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, and our topic today is No Pink Cloud Here, Keeping It Real with our guest, Kelly Isla. But before we continue our conversation, please join me as we take a moment to center ourselves in a serenity moment. We just take a moment now to relax and focus on a constructive thought to let ourselves just have that breathing space that Kelly was talking about. So I invite you to relax perhaps take a deep breath and consider this idea I step forward in faith and my life is blessed and we'll just take a moment with this. So thank you for joining me in this Serenity Minute. So back with our guest, Kelly Isla. We were talking about your journey and the journey into faith and, and perhaps some of the different ways which you have experienced a changing faith from the pink cloud to the roller coaster to all of the experiences you were just describing as we went into break. Did you ever get stuck? And how did you get out of that?
3: Yes, I've been stuck uh, several times um, and when I'm stuck it's actually uh, when I find myself kind of reverting to uh, a faith of of more that's more uh, like the faith of a child where and I don't and I don't mean that in a bad way at all but I mean more of it like a blind faith right when I'm really stuck when it's really hard there's that moment where I just I, I, you know the the what you hear in twelve step programs is foxhole praying. Mm-hmm. You know, God, if you get me out of this, you know, <laughs> which is not my. That's not that was never really part of. Once I got clean, was never really part of my faith journey. But certainly pausing and stopping and sort of the hands go up and surrender. Like I I can't do this. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know what's going on. I don't, I, you know, and you all you can do is you know, oh, just surrender, mm-hmm. and um and know that it's something's going to work out um and it really is having to it, it is really that simple. It's not necessarily easy to do, but it, it is simple in that you just, it, you know, I keep, I mean, if you could see me, you could see my hands are opening. You know, my hands are sort of by my side, but I'm from closed position to open position. And it's a, it's a powerful tool for us that when we are stuck and, and some of the most challenging moments in my recovery have been, um, when my father died, when, when Frank died, um, I thought my world was over. Mm-hmm. And so just, even like right now talking about it, it, it causes a lot of grief and sadness. But if I physically open my hands in a surrender position, I can breathe, mm-hmm. right? And so faith, that's what faith was oftentimes in the hardest moments is that, okay, it's, I don't know, you know, if there's a God, right? If there's something, if there's an ultimate reality, if anyone's listening, <laughs> you know, let go. Yeah. But let. just let go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let go. Let go of how it's going to work out. Let go of how it needs to be. Let go that I'm supposed to be happy, but I'm not. You know, I, I am what I am. Really, it's the Popeye thing.
2: Mm-hmm. So, in the in this journey, you made some major life changes. You picked a career. You went back to school. Um, <laughs> you know, you. No one picks ministry on
3: purpose. <laughs> so, share with us how that happened. Well, I. Um, I when I moved to Phoenix, I had not been there very long and uh, was kind of lost. hadn't hadn't gotten my footing in twelve step. hadn't made you know a lot of friends yet. and um, fortunately, Phoenix is big, has a wonderful recovery um, network and community. and uh had not gotten involved. The other thing that I had that really saved me in New York was I very quickly. And this was absolutely a step in faith, and that I learned very quickly when I got clean that the way to stay clean um, was to give back. The way to stay clean was to be in service. So I very quickly learned that it it was sort of like this mathematical equation: if you want this, then do this. Mm-hmm. You know, not just work your steps, call your sponsor, go to meetings, but be in service. And I think there was more faith in that um, because it got me out of me. Um, focusing on someone else. So having faith that that builds faith that maybe I'm worth something. Cause I don't know about you or anybody else that walks into a 12 step when you first get clean or sober. You're, you don't think that highly of yourself. No. Not at all. Not no. even remotely. In fact, you're, you know, you're the way I remember when I got clean that if I was something to be scraped off someone's shoe, that was a good day. Right? So being in service you know, for someone else. And it slowly, quickly became um, bringing meetings into jails, bringing meetings into prisons, bringing meetings into rehabs, into halfway houses, into women's shelters, to places where people could not get the message that life can be different, that life can be good, that I, you don't always have to use, that there is faith. There is, you can make meaning of your life. You can be a productive member of society wherever you are. That was the faith at the beginning was that I could be a productive member of society. I didn't always have to be taking. Mm -hmm. I could actually be giving. I didn't have to be a parasite. Mm -hmm. That I could actually be thriving and lifting humanity up. Now I didn't think that 29 years ago. I didn't think that 20 years ago. Now I do. But, um, but always, there was an, always an element of service. And so when I got to Phoenix and, Eventually, uh because I had just gotten there, um, Frank said, Well, hey, I found this church, how about you, you know, come on Christmas Eve? And that was the first time I went into a unity church. Um and but I that supported me in building a community and having faith that there's a community, having faith that that finally getting back to actually a, a faith that had something to do with God, that had to do with spiritual principles, that had to do with I create my world, right? That that I'm not at the mercy of this addiction of this disease. I'm not at the mercy of some sort of marionette God, you know, and I'm at the end of the strings. Mm-hmm. I'm not at the mercy of horrible things in life, that I actually play a role and play a part and I'm responsible and I'm accountable. And to have faith, because that's kind of grown up thinking. And and I don't always want to be that responsible, honestly. <laughs> I don't know about you, <laughs> but I don't always want to be that responsible. But having then having faith in me, right? It's It's, you know, when we – in the fourth step, it says, you know, that it it tells me the order of things, God, myself, and another human being. So I have faith in God, and then I learned to have faith in myself, and I learned to have faith in others. Um, and I had faith in others kind of when I got clean, enough to get me coming, but to, to the extent of having faith in others where I can lift them up, like not – like I'm, you know, all powerful right. God, but but faith in it that another human can can come out of the depths of their own darkness. And I can have a hand in that mm-hmm. um, is, you know, for God, myself and another human being, you know, in that order is kind of how I I had to have faith in that in order to keep going day by day.
2: So it sounds like you made a shift in uh, perhaps principle uh, when you found the Unity Church.
3: Yeah, I am. Um, it was a Christmas Eve. And, um, the only thing I remember from the service, from the, from the, the talk was that I was created in the image and likeness of God. And I remember thinking, looking over my shoulder, thinking, you must be talking about the guy sitting behind me. Um, you know, you couldn't mean me. Like, that's just, you know, what, like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't think so. Um, but to hear the message over and over and then you kind of go, hmm. I wonder what that's about. It's sort of like the steps, Mm -hmm. right? Hmm. I wonder what that's about. You know, if I had known ahead of time what a fourth step was going to be, I would never have done that. Are you crazy? You know, if I had known ahead of time what an eighth step or a ninth step really looks like, you really think I would have done that? No. But we don't do it till we're ready. Right. Right. Till there's someone there that says, okay, you're ready for this. Mm -hmm. And it was, unity was no different. There was somebody there to say, okay, you're ready for this. To add this, not in place of but to add it to, to expand, you know, my 11th step. Mm -hmm.
2: Many people, well, it says in the, in the literature that uh, 12 step is but a spiritual kindergarten. And it says to make use of uh, the ideas and the concepts that religious people have to offer, that there
3: is much to learn. And so um, it's arrogant to think other, to to actually not think that, to think that, that where I'm at in these meetings only is the end all and be all. Well, I've
2: talked to a lot of people that have been stuck after a certain period of time, somewhere between 10 and 15 years typically in yes. a 12-step program, and they, right. get, they get absolutely stuck, and they're dry is all they are at right. that point because they run out of uh, a faith that works. They have, yep. they have run out of anything renewing in their life. Right.
3: Well, and I think it's, it's, it's another way of uh, – it's, it's one of those dark night of the soul Yes. Right. So we have we have that periodically in life, and we have a dark night of the soul before we actually get clean or sober. We, you know, and as we move through through our own evolution, we I think we that it's necessary for a dark night of the soul. It's what the the caterpillar to the butterfly is doing. You know, everything goes away so that something new can emerge, and it's dark and it's icky, and it's necessary. And so when I was introduced to Unity, it was, there was some of that that had to go on. I had to be willing to, okay, maybe, maybe I have to rearrange some things. But I had just gotten, I'm like, wait a minute, I have to rearrange. I just got comfortable. That's the problem with, (laughs) you know, with life is that it's, it's, there's a, there's change and then there's transition. Change is very quickly. Change is quick. And change is inevitable. Transition is how we move through the change. So that's what I get to decide. I don't get to decide on change, but I do get to decide on how I transition, how I move through the change. And so, um, having, being introduced to unity and expanding the idea that God is not this, you know, this man with a white beard and a white robe and a big gold G on it sitting on a cloud, but rather a principle that I use. A principle that I use for my healing. A principle that I use to extend my hand in ever expanding circles of service. A principle that I use that I call compassion or kindness or joy or friendship that I call community, that I call love. It's a principle that I use. Um, was, required me to totally, you know, it blows your mind. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was necessary. It was, takes me to a new, a new place of actually how to practice these principles. What does it mean now to turn my will in my life over to the care of God of my understanding? So, what exactly am I turning my will in my life over to? It's no longer like a God outside me, like a marionette, or a God outside me that is, you know, that is in charge of everything, and I'm, I'm powerless. It's not. You know what does powerless now mean? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thus the trip through the steps again. Yes, yes, yes. If you haven't gone through them in 29 years, oh my goodness, I can't. T- I couldn't tell you how many times I've gone through them. Um. <clears throat> well,
2: I have found that they're not sequential either. No, not at all. You know, not even remotely. Yeah. Yes, uh, I. Every time I run into an old idea that's causing me pain, I'm back on the surrender step, Yep, you know, and then yep. and then sometimes I have to back up to the powerless step before yep. I can move forward again. So
3: well, and I, I learned that um, that uh, one, two, three and four are about me, five, six, seven, eight are about um, uh, or one, two, th- one, two, three. Yeah. One, two, three and four is is really um, me. Um, and then four, uh, five, six, seven, and eight is now kind of me, me and another person. And then 10, 11, 12, or nine through 12 are like me and the world mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I, so that's how I move around in them. Like where is, what's up? You know, and what's, where's my energy and what's, what's got me hooked or got me challenged? And I can kind of, you know, navigate. That's kind of how my map goes. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, it's not always sequential. But I had to do it sequentially a lot of times and keep going deeper and deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and so faith becomes um, rather something that I uh, that I've come to depend on that it's changeable.
2: Okay. So well, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. What do you want to know? Well, I know that um, recently you had some experiences with that illness that you had mm-hmm. that uh, you shared briefly about, you know, that changed perhaps some of your concepts of faith that Mm -hmm. had been long held concepts of faith
3: yes um yeah i I, in fact um it's two years ago tomorrow that i got out of the hospital um i got out of the hospital on my clean date wow um i know right it's like I, i i call those moments synchro divinity that's my that's my word i came up with years ago synchro divinity um and uh yeah i had been very very ill i'd been in the hospital for three weeks and the middle week i was in icu and i was on life support and um couldn't breathe for myself and um had a couple of near-death experiences and you know met the other side um and uh um actually had a conversation with co-founder of unity myrtle fillmore um that I always hesitate to talk about because I think people will think it sounds like oh she's a total whack job, and I thought I'm an addict. If you don't already think I'm a whack job, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what else to tell you. Um, but yeah, in in getting better, slowly getting, and I'm not a hundred people see me. They're like, oh, it's so good to see you. You're all better. I'm like no, not really. There's still there's still the the fallout from that. I could almost never put into words because. There's things that go on inside the psyche, inside the body that are radically changed forever. And so having to negotiate, it's like sometimes living by braille and having to come back into your body. And all of a sudden, prayer, you know, when I was first introduced to prayer and meditation, um, I actually was – when I was first introduced to prayer and meditation in uh, – uh, when I was somewhere in the first year of being clean, I was actually ecstatic um, because, I, oh, something, something I can do that doesn't involve writing. <laughs> 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 something I can do that seems, um, that's like a, um, a pause. I just remember being ecstatic. It wasn't my first introduction to prayer, but, or meditation, but in the context of 12 step and something specific to take to prayer, to take to meditation, just seemed like a great big, ah, you know, I could pause. And, see the impact that that would make. Like it builds, right? It's like going to the gym and building, you know, lifting weights, it builds muscles. And so being introduced to unity and now an expanded, oh, look, prayer and meditation in new expanded ways, which then informs how I show up in the world. It informs how I, um who do I owe amends to? How am I being? How am I being in service? You know, what does it mean to really turn my will and my life over? And so one of the things that radically shifted from being ill and the near death was prayer. Very, very different. It, it has nothing to do with the words anymore. Um, my sister would read, I had a Caring Bridge page and I had Facebook and my sister was managing all that and she would say, so and so, you know, would you like to hear some people's, what people wrote? And I would say, yes. And then I was gone. Um and uh but she would say their name. So she might say like, Oh, Jamie Sanders, you know. And um I would hear his name and I have no idea the rest of it. Like I didn't hear anything else she said. And what happened is is I would go be with Jamie. Um, not remembering a time I was with him, but literally all of my being went to be with Jamie. And um so prayer – and that's what everybody was writing. They're writing prayers, sending prayers of healing, sending prayers of all – and that's fine. I'm not – please don't even misunderstand. I'm not dissing any of that at all. It's just that prayer became something much, much more universal that is very – unless you've been there, it's almost impossible to put into words. But it became a, where the the words almost didn't matter, which is counter to unity in some ways. Here I am, a unity minister, saying, yeah, the words for prayer don't matter. And they do. Um, and it's just because of that, I'm now, I have to once again rethink and I have to reevaluate and I have to, what does prayer and meditation mean now? Um, and I can always hear that, you know, there's, it doesn't matter how long I'm clean or, or when the last time you went to a meeting, whether it was yesterday or six months ago or whatever, I can never lose the, uh, you know, my roots in 12 step, like I'll always hear that first time someone's my sponsor said, here, do this for prayer and meditation. Mm-hmm. Like it's always there. But what prayer means now is something radically different.
2: Well, it sounds very much like working the steps in layers, you're working prayer in layers. Yep. And clear down to a deep connection as opposed to a even a consciousness level. Yeah. You know, and they talk about addiction in particular as being a disease of loneliness and a disease of disconnection. Yes. And dis ease. And it yep. sounds like in your experience that experience of prayer it was a connection time.
3: Yeah, it wasn't I wasn't I wasn't where you know, in the hospital, I was I was absolutely somewhere else. I wasn't reliving an experience with the person. I was having a new experience mm-hmm. and whatever it was. Um, and is that's what the prayer? That's what the prayer was. Was the connection? Was the being with the person? It wasn't right. their words of right. healing and whatever they wrote. It had that was for them, not me. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we talked about
2: previously was about how faith goes in cycles, mm-hmm. and the, there being an evolutionary or a spiral nature to mm-hmm. all of these spiritual principles mm-hmm. and the steps and all all of these processes, um, as opposed to an event. I don't have faith now. I
3: have it. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think we, um, you know, when when we, we forget. So I'm with you. I totally, it's not that we have faith and then we don't. It's that we get, um, it gets cloudy sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, there's challenges. There's, um, there's been many times, it's been many years, but there's been many times since getting clean that, you know, where I kind of want to go, oh, um, that, you know, oh my God. Oh, like for instance, here's a good example. When all of a sudden microbreweries became all the thing and all the rage, and I'm like, okay, there are, there have been days where I'm jealous. Like, I want to, can I just like go taste a little bit? You know, and the truth is, is I probably could. And I have no idea what would happen, but why would I want to try that out? That's just silly. But, um, but there are, there are days when it's, uh, um, you know, is about, is it, like, where am I going? What am I doing? Like, when I decided that this calling for ministry, like, what are you insane? You know, you're, you know, you have this life and it's busy and you're doing this and you're doing this and it was that next, that next stage, it's like my, the next iteration of Kelly needed to come forward and and it's going back through the steps again, right? It's surrendering. It's saying I'm – there's something – there is a part of me that is not um, – while I'm driving the boat, I also have to leave space for the mystery of, of this piece is not driving the boat. And I have to constantly be evaluating my life and I have to – is there meaning? Is there purpose? And that's what the the steps Take us through, is is finding the meaning and the purpose and what am I doing? And I'm actually, as a result of the illness and the near death, and I'm actually still tr- working that out. I'm I I have a lot of days where I'm not really sure what my purpose or meaning is.
2: But that doesn't stop you from moving forward
3: in what is yours to do today. Yeah, I don't even know if it's moving forward as much as moving, <laughs> yeah. as much as doing. Um, it's not. Life is no longer directional. OK, that's so when I say forward or up or down or backward or left or right, it's not it's sort of omnidirectional, which is I don't think I would have put that until I just heard you say it about moving forward. So, you know, this evolution that I'm in, my recovery, my life and everything is, <clears throat> excuse me, is more like like I don't talk about higher consciousness or lower consciousness. I talk about expanded because okay. it's got – it's omnidirectional. And so – um but we like to think of – I think that's the part of this evolution is that when I first got clean, I needed a forward direction. I needed to be going towards the light. And I'm not going back where it's dark. You know, that's violent, it's dark, it's – yeah, I'll die. That's death. So I needed to move forward. And then along the way, I needed to move up, right? Because mm-hmm. I need to know that I'm getting better. And getting better has a sense of going up and – and raising consciousness, right? And moving out of thinking that, you know, all of the, the shadow thinking that I'm less than, that I'm inadequate, that I don't belong, I don't fit in, that, all of that noise, that chatter, right? Um, that we start to clean out when we're working our steps. And then, um, and then over in time, and, and some days it is still, I'm reaching up out of the dark towards the light and, as, as life has moved on and with the evolution, you know, faith now has that, um, I don't know a better word than, it's just all directional. It's not about forward or backward or up or down or left or right. It's yes, yeah, <laughs> which isn't really very helpful, I'm sure, in trying to, to understand that, what I'm saying. But, um, but that's, that's when I'm with the work that I do now. Um, it's, it isn't, that's the only way I can describe it. Like that's the evolutionary stage that I'm in now. Is every direction? It just is. It just is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not good or bad. There's, there's not really much. It's, I'm, it's not that there's no right or wrong. There's just I don't. I don't tend to lump things into positive negative. That that um, even even in the midst of so much chaos and negativity. In our world, in our culture, in our government, in, you know, in my own backyard, in the active addict's life, you know, um, there is dark. Um, and how how do we use that for healing? Mm-hmm. How do we use that for good, so to speak? I just don't – I don't like to put things in this or this because it, it all serves us if I'm awake, right, if I'm paying attention, if if – If I have faith. If you have faith. So you've talked
2: about many, many, many different faces of faith. Yeah. And and you've talked about um, the journey of faith, uh, your experience of the journey of faith. And I really do appreciate that because I know many people, myself included, come in with one idea. Mm -hmm. And then I think I've got it. And then I think I should be able to sit on that forever. And, yeah. And I'd be fine. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? And well, maybe it would, but then I got stuck like you talked about too. And so that that old idea of faith didn't serve me any longer. Right. So, I appreciate you sharing everything that you did.
3: I think of it as a like I'm on this journey, I think of a path that goes through multiple different ecosystems, like it goes through a rainforest and a desert and by the beach and up a mountain and you know, like any kind of ecosystem you can imagine and periodically there's a bench. And we sit on the bench. And we just rest and we enjoy what we have and what's solid and what feels foundational. And then there comes a time when we know we have to get up and, and move and go to the next bench, not necessarily knowing what, what ecosystem we're going to step into. If it's raining or the sun is shining or if there's a lot of life and thriving or not. But you're confident there's another bench. Absolutely. And that's the faith. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not in it. And sometimes it might go in circles or it could go up hills or down or around or left, forward, backward. Like that's why I guess I get rid of the directional things. Sure. So. Sure. But um, yes, I know that there's a bench. I know the bench is supported, um, by earth, by me, by uh, the God of your own understanding, whatever that is, and, um, by each other because you, you can't do it alone. Right. we belong to each other right it's we it is we
2: well thank you for being part of the we today you're welcome thank you to all our listeners and anybody that has uh, left comments or called in and um i appreciate you sharing all that you did about your very personal faith
3: journey i was just getting started i got I 29 years to cover. good lord i'm old <laughs> Well, we'll check in with you again. I'm so excited for
2: you. Well, thank you for starting
3: this. I'm I, so I'm, happy
2: for you. I'm I'm really excited about it. So, uh, and we know that when we connect just sharing who we are like this is how we connect with others on this really deep level. And so thank you for doing that. You're I appreciate very that. And so, My pleasure and privilege. And thank you listeners. Um, again, you can uh, connect with Kelly on her website, kellyisala.com. And we hope you join us next week for our show. We'll meet Michael B., and it's about feeling stuck. Is this all there is? (laughs) Sometimes we get stuck, and we've talked about that a lot today. And sometimes what worked has gone flat, and so we have to find a way through that and a way to keep going. So we hope you can join us next week, 4 p.m. Central. Thank you.
1: Dorothy Day, a co-founder of the Catholic Worker Movement in America, called for not a revolution of arms, but a revolution of the heart. Since the beginning of our nation, the American Revolutionary War, and long before that, actually, there's not been a time without conflict somewhere in the world. Makes you stop and think, doesn't it? Certainly, we live in challenging times. Each day brings seemingly limitless opportunities to take offense. And each opportunity offers me a choice. I can give a knee-jerk response in fear or anger, or I can choose consciously to respond in love. My choice may seem insignificant. After all, I'm only one person. But as history has taught us, one person can make a difference. Peace can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org.
0: We live can be holy, and all we need to do to experience that state is to make the decision to do so. Everything we do can be a prayer, and by using our innate creativity with intention, in every aspect of our lives, that can indeed be true. Author Carla Cannon wrote, Creativity is so much more than art making. It is a tool for navigating through everyday experiences to find the sacred in each God-given moment. Discover Creative Spirit, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time, and experience the joy of connecting to spirit through creative expression. What got you started on your spiritual path? Minister and radio host Paul John Roach says his path began when he heard George Harrison of the Beatles talking about Hindu philosophy and meditation. Paul John writes about it in the current edition of Unity Magazine. And don't miss the interview with Eben Alexander, the neurologist whose near-death experience led him to write Proof of Heaven. It's all in the September-October edition of Unity Magazine. Go to Unity.org and click on Publications.
1: now available you pray the free prayer app from silent unity for more than a century people from all over the world and all walks of life have turned to silent unity with you pray our confidential prayer support is easy and convenient to access with you pray you can send your prayer directly to silent unity you pray also includes affirmations you can share with family and friends plus audio meditations for your prayer time for more about the free you pray app and links to download Visit SilentUnity.org slash app. That's SilentUnity.org slash app.